There's going to be millions of people today all excited about a little football. <laughs> and there's going to be thousands, tens of thousands packed in a stadium and shouting, jumping up and down, doing all sorts of crazy things. Probably going to work tomorrow without a voice, going to work tomorrow tired, and other things as well. So I wonder, it's 1119. I wonder for just for the next couple minutes, if we could just praise the Lord. Because this is the day that the Lord hath made. Amen. Can we magnify that name? Can we shout? Hallelujah. Would you begin to thank him all across this place for what he's done in your life, for what he's doing right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We magnify you. We exalt you, O Lord. You are worthy of all the praise and all the glory and all the honor today. Hallelujah. When I think of the goodness of God and all that he has done for me, hallelujah, I can't help but get a little excited. Hallelujah. I was on my way to a devil's hell. Amen. And he picked me up and he placed my feet on the straight street in the name of Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. If, you're, if you don't like it down here, if you think this is a little crazy down here, I'm here to tell you that you're probably not going to like heaven. If this is uncomfortable for you today, you're probably not going to like the streets of gold. Because when we get to heaven, this is exactly what we're going to do. When we see Jesus face to face, amen, when we meet him face to face, we're not going to be able to help, but just begin to praise him. Amen. Glorify him and begin to thank him for all that he did for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we push past our flesh a little bit right now and begin to magnify the Lord. Jesus. Jesus. Oh, God, I praise you. I magnify you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Entertain that presence a little bit. Hallelujah. Won't you bless the Lord this morning? Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Jesus. Yes, God. Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want nothing more than a move of the Holy Ghost today. 
Amen. I don't come to you this morning with enticing words. I don't come to you with a lot of intellect. Amen. But I just want the Holy Ghost to speak this morning. I just want the voice of the Lord to be heard in this place. I want nothing more. Amen. Can we receive that today? Can we let God, let his spirit break out in this place? Amen. Amen. God is so good. Hallelujah. I did want to, before we get into the word of God, I do got a few uh, baptismal and Holy Ghost certificates to give out. We're just excited for what God is doing. He's been pouring out his spirit. He's been washing away sins. Amen. And we're so thankful for what God is doing in Brother Domingo's life. Brother Domingo could come up. Amen. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. And all of his sins are washed away. Amen. And there's a new life ahead of you, brother. Amen. Congratulations, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. We got a couple that have been up here for a while. Also, Eden Chuppy was baptized in Jesus' name. Where's Sister Eden at? Amen. Amen. Congratulations. God is doing a work in our children's lives. And these children matter. Amen. I said to the discipleship group this morning that, you know, Noah, we're talking about faithfulness and how, uh, you know, Noah walked by faith and he built that ark. You want to know why he built that ark? It was to this, for the saving of his family. That's why he built that ark. It doesn't even say that he preached. But he built that ark for the saving of his family. Amen. And there was eight souls that were saved by water that day because of the faithfulness of Noah. These children matter. Parents, you're doing a good job raising these kids in truth. Amen. We got a couple more. We got a Holy Ghost certificate and a baptismal certificate for Sister Anya. This was several weeks ago. Congratulations, sis. Amen. Why don't you stay here? We're just so happy what God is doing in Anya's life. And if Brother Matt would come forward as well. Amen. Some of you know and some of you don't, but I wanted to present to this church Mr. and Mrs. Matt Reed. (laughs) Amen. Congratulations, guys. Amen. They were married this last week. They wanted uh, to make things right, and I believe that God has, has great things in store for them. Amen. God's doing it. Amen. God is so good. Let's turn to the book of Psalms. Let's continue to pray for those that are sick. I know there's just been a lot of sickness going around. I know uh, Brother Marcello was really sick this last week, and um, my children are sick, and Brother Chuppy isn't feeling well. But if we could just continue to pray that God would give those that are sick strength. Psalm chapter 42 in verse 7. The Bible declares that it says the the deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts and all thy waves and all thy billows are gone over me. Today, with the help of the Lord, I want to preach to you the deep calls to the deep. The deep calls 
to the deep. You may be seated in Jesus' name. I do believe that I, you know, there are sometimes you come up here and you're just not completely confident in what you have and the word that, that God has for the church. But today I'm, I'm confident that God has a word for this church today. The deep calls to the deep. And I begin to, in preparation for this message, I just begin to look up um, uh, the current statistics with the way our world is going and, and our current world culture and, um, and possibly um, where we are positioned in time has, has lent itself um, to the spirit of the world working and calling with intensity that we have never seen before. Amen. I was just, we took a work trip um, a week and a half ago or so, and, um, and I just could not believe what I seen. I could not believe the open sin and, and how it was celebrated. I've never been out in public before where people were openly doing drugs, and it was all over the place. And I just, I, I could not believe, the, the spirit of the world is working with an intensity that we have not seen before. The devil has called on an overtime shift. We look, and, and drug addiction and alcoholism are very common. Um, the statistics are literally staggering for drug abuse. I began to look at some of these things. I didn't, I didn't, I'm not going to share them today, but if you just begin to look at drug addiction in the United States today, it is, it is overwhelming, especially with opioids and prescription meds. Depression and mental health, these issues are rapidly rising. Not too long ago, I grew up and I didn't even, I never even heard the phrase mental health, really. But it's something we hear all the time. Depression and mental health. Fornication and adultery, sexual sin are something that are, is very normal in the times that we live in. Homosexuality and transgenderism are celebrated in the world that we live in. The divorce rate is at an all-time high. Families are, are falling apart. They're not staying together. Children are being raised without clear direction, without fathers in the home. And Christianity is, is really no longer the foundation in which our country once stood on. Over 40% of the people in our country say they are not born again. 35% declare that the Bible has errors in it. Over 45% say that, that the Sunday school um, that they grew up in did not teach them to defend their faith. 45% say homosexual behavior is not a sin. 40% believe that gay couples should be allowed to marry and have legal rights. 20% say there are books in the Bible that are not, or there are more books than just the Bible that are inspired by God. 65% of people in the United States believe that as long as you are just a good person, you will get to go to heaven. 
And this, this, is, this is just reality. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just, I'm just saying that this is our current culture. This is where we're at. And I don't look at it necessarily as a negative thing, but I look at it as an opportunity. I look at it as, a, as an opportunity for God to do something. I look at it as an opportunity for the church. But I'm here to tell you this morning that despite the statistics, despite what we see all around us, despite the pull of Satan, despite all the anti-Christ advertisements that are all around us, that we know a God who is still calling. He is still reaching. He's still drawing men unto him. His hand is still outstretched, and there is still hope in him today. He's still the way. Amen. He's still the truth, and he's still the life. Amen. He didn't, God, just because of all this stuff going on, God didn't go sit in a corner. He didn't walk out of the building. He's, he's not sitting on the bench. He's not the backup. But he's still the Alpha and the Omega. Amen. He's still the first and the last. He's still the great I am. He's still the only Savior. He's still the only great physician. Amen. He's still wonderful. Counselor, amen, the mighty God. He's still the everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. I'm talking about Jesus today. His name is Jesus Christ. There's none before him and beside him there is no other God. There's still hope. He's still calling. He's not sitting in a corner letting, just watching all this stuff, but God is still up to something. The Bible says that neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I'm talking about Jesus today. It's all in him. Amen. He, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. It's all in him. The mighty God is Jesus. Amen. The prince of peace is he. He's the everlasting father, and he's the king eternally. The wonderful in wisdom by whom all things were made. The full fullness of the Godhead in Jesus is displayed. Amen. God is still working. There's still hope in him. The Bible says that for in him, in Jesus Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus Christ is not second to anyone. Amen. He isn't number two in a three-person Godhead. He isn't co-equal or co-eternal or co-existent with any. Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I'm talking about Jesus Christ. He's still calling. He's still reaching. He's still the father of creation. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him. 
And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended that. We know the scripture. We understand that John was talking about Jesus. When God spoke, it happened. He's still the father of creation. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He said, let there be land, and he divided the waters. He said, let there be plants and animals, and there they were. He positioned the sun, the moon, and the stars, and they obeyed his voice. This God is still working today. His voice has the same power today as it did in the beginning. Amen. He's still the son in redemption. Amen. The Bible says in 1 Peter 18, it says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. There's nothing in this world that can redeem us. No amount of money can redeem us. No, tra- no tradition of men can save us. Peter says, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundations of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Amen. He's still the redeemer. There is nothing else on the face of the earth that can redeem us from sin. There's not enough money. There's no lawyer good enough to make the case for you. But with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, there is remission of sins today. There is a washing away of the old life that happens to you. Amen. There's no pill and there's no prescription med that can take away your guilt and hurt. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus can take away your guilt and your hurt and your shame. Amen. This is what he does. Amen. He's a God that can wipe away your past and he can make all things new. He's still redeeming. Amen. He's still the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God is still in operation. Acts 1 and 8 says, but ye shall receive power After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Amen. That power of God working in you is the spirit of God inside of you. Amen. Colossians 1 and 27 says, To whom God would make known that is the riches of the glory of, of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. Amen. It's the spirit of Christ, the spirit of God in you, which is the hope of glory. The Holy Ghost is working today. He's still calling. He's still reaching. And he's still drawing all men unto himself. Amen. Romans 5 and 20 says, But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And I refer to this scripture quite a bit. But if it seems that the enemy is working overtime. You can be sure that God is up to something as well. If sin is abounding, I'm here to tell you that the grace of God will be sufficient enough in the day that you need it. Amen. And remember that God is not on 
the defense. The Bible says that upon this rock he will build his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. God is not on defense, but he is moving forward. He's on the offense. Amen. So we know, we understand that despite what we see around us, despite the things that, these staggering statistics, that, the, that God is still working. He's still moving. And his grace is sufficient for us today. So we go back to Psalms chapter 42. And it seems that this psalm was written by somebody who was in trouble and he was really thirsting and seeking for God. And the sons of Korah were mentioned in it. I didn't really completely get into it, but somebody was in trouble who wrote this psalm. And we're going to read through this. He said in verse 1, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? There was a thirst for God. It's interesting, you know, we can live without bread for a little bit. We can live for, without food for a few days. And even longer than that. You know, we can go on a week fast. That's possible. We know people who've gone on 40-day, Jesus went on a 40-day fast. We can live without food for a while, but when it comes to water, have you ever truly, truly been thirsty? Like days without water? It's like the animal that panteth after the water brooks. So panteth my soul after thee. And we can see here that, that this person had been away from God. Because he asked the question, where can I come and appear to God? That there was a separation of some sort between him and God. He says in verse 3, my tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? He was talking about the people around him kept on asking him, where is your God? The voice of the world will continually question you, sometimes with small whispers and sometimes with a shout. And it'll ask, where is your God? The spirit of the world wants you to doubt, wants you to fear, wants you to question. It seems like everything around us is an anti-God agenda of some sort. Verse 4, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God, and with the voice of joy and praise, with the multitude that kept holy day. He had once done this, but has been away from it. In verse 5, why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. It seemed that there was a depressive spirit. There was discouragement. There was worry and fear. He said, why art thou cast down, O my soul? 
Why art thou disquieted in me? In verse 6, oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill of, of Mizar. Deep calleth unto the deep at the noise of thy water spouts. And all thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. The situation that this person was dealing with and the circumstances were piling up. It seemed that he was buried in the deep and he had trouble all around him. Everything seemed to be going against him. But in the deep despair, in the deep trouble, the deep hurt, and the deep pain, there was a call from the deep to the deep. And this was God calling him. And we continue to read through this psalm in the very last verse. In verse 11, it says, Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. In the middle of the trouble, in the middle of the despair, in the middle of being surrounded, there was a call from God. The deep was calling to the deep. And this psalmist recognized that there was still hope in God. I'm here to tell you that no matter where you are at today, no matter what you've been battling, no matter what mind games have been going on, no matter the things that you have possibly entertained, the thoughts. Sometimes we entertain spirits. Sometimes there's the enemy's just talking to us and we continue to listen. Sometimes we just have, we have flesh that likes to talk to us and we just keep listening. So despite all that, I'm here to tell you that no matter these things, no matter the deep mess you may have found yourself in, the deep is calling to the deep. We serve a God who is interested. He's still interested in humanity. And there's still hope. You know, we find ourselves in these situations and it seems that we can come up with a lot of valid reasons for discouragement. If we're honest with ourselves, it seems like there's a lot of good reasons to be discouraged, but there are many more reasons to trust and hope. There are many more reasons to be hopeful. You may feel that the ground all around you is shaky and it's unstable and you're somewhat unsure where to turn. I do believe that oftentimes this position in this circumstance is a sign that you are where God wants you. It may not be where you want to be, 
but it's where God wants you. In Acts chapter 16, there's a story of a prison guard who was put in charge of watching over Paul and Silas. And he was sitting there one night, like usual, on his watch, and he was guarding what he knew. And he was guarding what he was comfortable with. And if I may say it this way today, he was protecting and guarding his own prison. And this is sometimes what we oftentimes do. The very things that are keeping us imprisoned are oftentimes the very things that we guard and protect. And there are places in our hearts and there are things that are going on that we don't want anybody to know about. We don't let anybody in. And we guard our prison. But we have got to let God into our hearts. We've got to let him take care of that hurt and pain. We've got to let him take care of those things that we've been battling. And it's interesting, we fight so hard and we, we hang on so badly and I, I don't know why we do that when God's trying to change some things in our lives. So we continue reading this story and, and the prison guard was sitting there guarding his prison and the earth began to shake. There was an earthquake and before the prison guard knew it, the doors of the prison were opened and Paul and Silas were free along with the other prisoners. And I just began to think about this, that when, you know, when the earth is shaking below you, it can be a troubling time. There's a lot of questions in this time. But I'm here to tell you, when the earth begins to be shaky underneath you, just know that God is getting ready to do something. Because the deep is calling to the deep. And God has a way of shaking up your life so doors can be opened. He has a way of causing some earthquakes to happen that we don't understand so that he can open some doors in your heart. So he can open some doors that have never been opened in your life. And this prison guard's immediate reaction to what had happened was fear. And we read that the voice of the man of God, who was the apostle Paul, he, he yelled out, he says, don't fear, we're all here. And I love the reaction after this. He, he was fearful of this earthquake. He was fearful that these doors that were supposed to be closed had been opened. And that's sometimes exactly where we're at. But God in these moments is doing something. And the prison guard's reaction to this in Acts 16 and 29, he says, 
Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? His reaction, he, he asked for a light. He's like, listen, I, I'm fearful. I don't understand what's going on. There was an, my, the, the, the ground below me is shaky, and there's doors that are open that shouldn't be open right now. What's going on? But he said, he said, give me a light so I can look at this more closely. Sometimes we find ourselves in that situation, and we just we run from it. We want to get away from the earthquake. We want to get away from the doors that God's trying to open up. Amen. And we, we, we ignore it. We end up filling our time and our mind with other things. But this prison guard said, hey, give me a light. I want to see this more closely. So in your life, when, there's, when things are, are shaken up a little bit, don't run from it. Grab a light and begin to look at it more closely. It could be the key to your salvation, as it was for this prison guard. It could be the key for you to take that next step in your walk with God. It could be the key for you to take that next step in ministry for God. He said he, it said that he sprang in, and he came trembling, and he fell down. And he asked one of the most important questions you can ever ask. He says, what do I got to do to be saved? And we read on that the apostle, they, they, they preached unto him Jesus. Amen. And he received salvation. But God is interested in taking us from where we are, from where we are, and bringing us to where he wants us to be. Okay? And those transitions are not always comfortable. And we understand that God is a spirit, but he is a spirit that is moving. We read in the very beginning that the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. He is a moving God. He is interested in growth and maturity in your life. He's interested in moving on you so that you could move also. So that we can walk with God. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. So to get you to that expected end, he has to move you from here to there. And if we're real about this, transitions aren't easy. Moving from where we're comfortable isn't easy. But God is interested from, you, from moving you from glory to glory. And we don't like the transition. We don't like the shaky ground. 
And if I can describe it for you this way, if we, if we look at our, our walk with God as a stair step, if you will, and we're right here, and things are pretty comfortable right here. I got two feet on the ground. There's plenty of space here. This is familiar territory, right? But to get to the next step, it takes a, what we say it all the time, it's cliche, it takes a step of faith. But when we get to this step right here, now all of a sudden, I have to, I'm sort of unbalanced. There's some gravity, gravity uh, nature's of, of, you know, law, of the, what are the, nature's, nature's law, working against, it's called gravity, right? It's working against me. Okay, we got to stay balanced. I'm now using muscles to do this that I didn't have to use down here. This is pretty easy. I could stand here all day. But to go like this takes faith. And I believe how I look at it is if you will take the one step, which is pretty easy, God will help you get the next step up. Okay? But this transition is difficult. Now all of a sudden, we're in a place we've never been before. We're on ground we've never walked before. There's not as much room up here. It's a little shaky. It's unfamiliar. Okay, I'm using muscles I don't normally use in the comfortable place. But this is called faith. And it's transition. And it's not always fun. I just made that look easy. But if we're honest, in true transition, it's not fun. It's not comfortable. But when you begin, when the ground below you begins to shake, God is up to something. And if you will take the step of faith, God will help you out. Understand that most of the time, growth with God is not an easy thing. And God will purposely cause earthquakes so that doors can be opened. We read of the feeding of the, of the 5,000. Right after that, it said that Jesus bid them to get into the ship, go across the lake. Jesus was going to meet them on the other side somehow. Jesus said, I'm going to pray. But Jesus purposely sent them on that ship, knowing that there was going to be a storm. And the disciples were in the middle of that storm. And they didn't know what to do. But there was faith that was built in the middle of that storm. So when we come to these places in life where the ground seems shaky and it's unfamiliar and there's a storm cloud all around, know that God is up to something. You know, I, I've said it before that you're either in the middle of a storm, getting ready to go in one, or coming out of one, is generally how life is. I heard someone else say it this way, there's, there's three stages to life. There's death, there's burial, there's resurrection. 
And you'll always find yourself in one of those stages. And we all want to be on the top of the mountain. We want to be on the resurrection stage. But without a death and a burial, there could not be a resurrection. So in the middle of these steps, in the middle of your walk with God, don't be discouraged when it seems like it's not going the way you want it to. Because God is trying to get you somewhere. He's trying to change some things inside of you. We read of another instance of an earthquake and an open door in Matthew 27. In verse 50 says, When Jesus, he had cried again with a loud voice, he yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent into twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. At the death of Christ, even nature was shaken with an earthquake. Rocks were rent, it said. And we know that Jesus did not die for rocks. Yet at this time, they were more tender than the hearts of men. But along with these results of the death of the cross, it says that the veil of the temple was rent into twain from the top to the bottom. And this veil in the temple separated the holy place from the most holy place. It separated the people from God. This veil was about 30 feet high and about four inches thick. So there was no way that humanity could rent the veil. There was no way that it was done by a man with a knife because it was rent from the top to the bottom. It was a thick veil. And we understand that something supernatural happened on the cross and that the veil was rent. We read in Hebrews chapter 2, it says, For there was a tabernacle made, the first, wherein was called the candlestick, and the table, and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded in the tables of the covenant. And over it with the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. The Holy Ghost... This signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. Well, as the first tabernacle was yet standing. So this veil was up between the holy place and the most holy place. And it was not yet made manifest that... Uh, that veil would be torn down while the tabernacle was still standing. But when Jesus died on that cross, it says that the veil was rent into twain. And now the presence and the Spirit of God was accessible to all. Not just the high priest 
once a year, but it was accessible to all. This was the greatest access ever given to mankind. This was the, the biggest, most, uh, uh, I guess, uh, influential door that had ever been opened to mankind, and it was when the veil was rent, because we now have access to God's Spirit, amen, the Holy Ghost living inside of us. But I'm here to tell you this door was not opened without trouble. We read of Calvary. We read of what Jesus went through. There was an earthquake. There was all sorts of things. There was a death and a burial before this door could be opened. And now we have this access to the Holy Ghost. I don't know who I'm exactly speaking to today. I know this isn't a, a run your aisles type of message, but I do know that God is speaking. And I do know that the deep is calling to the deep. And I'm here to tell you, if you will just walk in faith through the earthquake, through the death and the burial, through the discomfort, that God has an open door for you to walk through. We struggle a lot getting through the open door because we don't want to experience the earthquake. We don't want to experience the death and the burial. We don't want to experience the trials. We don't want to have a thorn in our side. We don't want to have resistance. But if you will, in these times, I know sometimes it's easier said than done. But if you're in that position right now where things just seem tumultuous in your life, embrace it and let God speak to you. Let God guide you because he has an open door for you. Amen. Didn't you preach last week on something about knocking on the door? The deep is calling to the deep. What if we could stand in this place? Musicians can come. We're going to have an altar call, but I wonder if we can just pray together that, that we would just be sensitive to God today. I really don't, I really don't know of any big storms going on in anybody's life. I don't, I don't have your name written in my notes. 
But God is calling. The deep is calling to the deep. I wonder if we could just pray together today. And if we could just ask the Holy Ghost to break through in our lives today. Can we pray together? Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. God, we thank you, Lord, for all that you've done, God. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. God, I pray that today, oh God, that our hearts would be open to your word. And God, that we would take in, God, the seed that's been sowed today. God, that it would land on good ground. And God, that we would be able to endure these things, endure the trials. God, that we would be able to endure them to the end, God, because you have a door that's wide open for us. God, I pray over every man, woman, and child here today, every father and every mother, God, every child of God here today, in the name of Jesus, God, that we would take a step to you, God, that we would quit guarding our prisons, God, and allow the doors to be opened. In the name of Jesus, God, that we wouldn't walk with fear, but God, that we would walk in faith. In the name of Jesus, can we pray together? Hallelujah, can we lift our voices right now? God, speak to us in this place. Lead us and guide us, O oh God. Hallelujah, God, that every woman and man of God would draw close to you, draw near to you today. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Please come to the altar and pray today and just let the Holy Ghost speak to you. In Jesus' name.